You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today. What is up? This is Fantasy Sports Today on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Alongside the fantasy executive, Corey Parson. Wall Street, Matt Modica. I am Greg Sussman. What's going on, ZP? Only one ear in my headphone work. So, I'm still, I'm still at full strength, though. I'm at 100%. The equipment around me may not be at 100%, but I'm at 100%. Had a good rest last night. Fantasy executive feel fresh and good. You feel what I'm saying? Not to mention the fact, right, today we're going to have the rare 70-degree New York City day in February. So it's a little bit warm in here. The train was a little bit aggravating this morning. But other than that, though, I'm looking forward to it. So, you know. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Welcome, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, the hot stove, staying hot. More deals. The Rays staying busy. They're involved in a uh, big three-team trade that uh, went down on Tuesday. And then they uh, just kept dealing uh, right into today, which is Wednesday. So uh, we've got that going for us uh, on today's show. And also, uh, finally, at last, uh, starting something I've been anticipating, and that is position previews. I'm going to start with catcher today, and um, we're going to uh, break that down, uh, looking at uh, different tiers, looking at pivotal players at the position who, uh, frankly, don't uh, necessarily generate a lot of consensus, and where you fall on that particular player may affect the the way you deal with the whole position. So we're going to look at it with a little bit of little bit of nuance here. I think it'll be good. Got some of your email or I'm sorry, your Twitter questions uh to answer. Got some good ones uh for the show today. So uh let's get to it. And uh the latest news in, involving the Tampa Bay Rays is that they've gone out and signed Carlos Gomez to a one-year 4 million dollar deal. And uh the uh, landscape of the the Rays outfield has shifted a couple of times in the last 24 hours because they also uh, shipped off uh, Steven Souza is a part of that three three uh, team deal on Tuesday evening. Uh, I'll get to that later, but uh, Gomez, uh, something of uh, I guess a bounce back season last year uh, with the Texas Rangers. That he had a, a very strange season in 2016 where he spent most of it with the Astros. It did not go well. They let him go. Uh, Rangers picked him up. He had a, a spectacular end of the year. Didn't quite carry that over into 2017, but still uh, a nice combination of power and speed. Uh, hit uh, 17 home runs, Carlos Gomez, and also stole 13 bases. Batted just 255, but that's right around his career norm. So, uh, you know, a little bit of an uptick, uh, especially in terms of the power for Carlos Gomez. He'll bring that uh, to Tampa Bay. And with that power-speed combination, now that we know that he not only 
has a landing spot, but one that's probably going to give him some regular playing time. Uh, Gomez is uh, definitely somebody that needs to be drafted in uh, 12-team mixed leagues. So uh, good to know that for his value. But, yeah, the uh, Rays outfield situation, it's kind of a mess. Of course, uh, a few days back, they DFA'd Corey Dickerson in a very surprising move. And then uh, they dealt off uh, Steven Souza along. Uh, well, actually, let me go break down the whole the whole trade here because it's a three teamer. Uh, but uh, so Souza goes to the Diamondbacks, and uh, Diamondbacks also get from the Yankees the third team involved here, minor league starting pitcher Taylor Widener. The Yankees get Brandon Drury, so that's great news for him because he was one of the players that many of us were bemoaning were going to be hurt by the humidor, probably big time, because Drury's had crazy home road splits. He's really benefited from Chase Field up to this point. So now he gets to go to Yankee Stadium. Looks like he'll get some regular playing time there, at least initially this season. So uh, a big uptick for Brandon Drury going to the Yankees. And then the Rays in return from uh, Arizona, they get starting pitcher Anthony Bonda who spent a little bit of time in the Arizona rotation late last season. Uh, From the Yankees, they also get second-base prospect Nick Solak. And then they get two more minor leaguers from the Diamondbacks, those to be determined later. So let's go through the really the three big players involved here, Steven Souza, Brandon Drury, and Anthony Bonda. Souza last year, bad just 239, but we finally saw the power-speed combo that looked so tantalizing when he first got traded from the Nationals to the Rays. Uh, got 30 home runs last year, 16 stolen bases. And I, I think this is probably pretty much of a lateral move for Souza because he goes from a ballpark that isn't really that great for offense to one that looks like it's now not going to be very good for offense uh, in Chase Field. Uh, you know, by all the projections, Chase Field should actually probably be even worse than the trop has been in terms of uh, home run power, doubles power. But, but you know, that, that'll that play itself out. I, I think that probably the move is one that, even if it's a downgrade, I don't think it's going to be a big enough one to really significantly change the way that we value Souza. So at least for the time being, I have left Souza uh, in place in my uh, outfielder rankings. So uh, as it stands right now, and by the way, you can see my full rankings uh, on my uh, own blog, uh, almelker.com. I've got Sousa 60th. So yeah, he's he's a late rounder in a standard format as it is. Uh, I, I don't think that's going to change. I don't think uh, this move to uh, Arizona takes him out of that, that particular picture. Um, now, what that unfortunately does if you were looking for some cheap speed, is it takes most likely a lot of playing time away from Gerard Dyson, who the Diamondbacks just uh, signed very recently. So it looks like Dyson goes back to that fourth outfielder role that he's filled um, for much of his career. Now, uh, Brandon Drury, as I mentioned, this move to the Yankees, a good one. I would think that it's at worst a lateral move. Uh, at least initially should get lots of uh, playing time. I suppose where maybe it's a bad move for Drury is that eventually I would see Miguel Andahar taking over the third base job from Drury, and then Drury goes back to a utility role. And that's kind of what the story's been for Drury in Arizona, that he's gone back and forth between playing regularly and then because he is versatile, 
uh, playing more of a utility role. But check out these splits from Drury's time with the Diamondbacks. This is over his career. An 893 OPS at Chase Field. A 228 ISO at Chase Field. Good numbers. If those were his everyday numbers, that's somebody you would draft and start all the time. But <laughs> on the road in his career, a 648 OPS and a 129 ISO, which are both pretty terrible, at least from a fantasy perspective. So uh, it's a good thing that Brandon Drury is going to a good hitter's park because it would appear from the career numbers that he really, really needs that. Also means that when Drury goes to someplace like the Trop, you you don't want to be starting him outside of a pretty deep league. So overall, at least for the initial weeks of the season, it looks like Brandon Drury is going to be a, a nice play. And again, it's not just Yankee Stadium. There are some you know good parks in that division. He should uh, be somebody that you'd want to start uh, initially. Uh, although I, have to, I uh, have, should have to go back and look at the schedule and see uh, where the Yankees are going. But I'm going to guess that the, the schedule is going to be favorable. And then finally... Uh, looking at the Rays, they get uh, Anthony Bonda out of this. Bonda did not have good numbers either at the Major League or the AAA level last year. 5.96 ERA with Arizona in just 25 and two-thirds innings. And at Reno, where he spent most of the year, a 5.39 ERA. But very low strand rates, both at the majors and in the minors. Probably deserved a better fate. Uh, somebody who is flyball prone. Uh, that will be helped by the Trop somewhat. Pretty decent strikeout pitcher, both in the minors and during his uh, relatively brief time in the major leagues. So Bonda has some some appeal, but uh, I think it is definitely more deep league appeal. And, and well, and actually, I should say AL only appeal because he's going to be, I think, more pitching depth for the Rays. They'll be able to start the year with a four man rotation. You figure Brent Honeywell is going to be up at some point. Uh, they, they've got some depth there. Bonda will be a part of that depth, but not necessarily a bad arm to have on hand in an ale only league, uh, on your bench. Uh, if he does get the opportunity to, to start for Tampa Bay and certainly, you know, somebody who I think has some longer term sleeper or, or dynasty appeal. Now, the other part of the story with the Rays is with the loss of Souza and the gaining of Carlos Gomez. What does that outfield look like? And for a brief moment, for a few shining hours, it looked like Malik Smith had some really nice road of value there. He was going to get a lot of playing time. I moved him up in my uh, rankings, although just to 99th. And I'm glad I didn't go a little more aggressively on that uh, because I made that change before the race signed Gomez. And I'm certainly not moving him up any further. I'm not going to move him down either because it's a very fluid situation there. Uh, you've got Denard Span. Uh, you've obviously you've got Kevin Kiermeyer who's uh, who's going to be the center fielder there, and there's a question of where is um, uh, Brad Miller going to play? Is he going to play uh, second base? Is he going to play at DH and then hog up a spot at DH that maybe one of those outfielders could could occupy? So I you know I, it would certainly I think it would maximize the offense to have Brad Miller play second base. Uh, which would give room for both Gomez and Smith to get a lot of playing time. But I, I don't think anybody probably really knows how this is going to shake out, but that's going to be one of those position battles, really a cluster of position battles when you're looking at uh, first base, second base, DH outfield 
there for the Rays. And, you know, don't forget in terms of first base that now they have C.J. Crone. It's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. It's going to affect a lot of players' values. But I think there's enough flexibility there and not too many roadblocks that Malik Smith is going to get his steals one way or another. So for now, I'm keeping him at a somewhat conservative 99th ranking uh, among my outfielders. Uh, Houston Astros, some bad news. Uh, Bad news also for a lot of dynasty owners. Forrest Whitley has been levied with a 50-game drug suspension. This was first reported by Buster Olney of ESPN. And this is um, sort of a, a peculiar news story because usually when there's a drug suspension, right away you find out what it is. I mean, at least in terms of a category, drug of abuse or you know a particular PED. There's been no report that I've seen as of yet as to what type of drug suspension this is for Forrest Whitley. But I'm sure that will that will come out soon enough. But in the meantime, what we do know for sure, a 50-game suspension that becomes effective uh, on opening day for Forrest Whitley. So that is uh, definitely, uh, from a fantasy perspective, not probably as much of a bummer as it is in, in the real world and, and for Forrest Whitley in his real life. But um, he is the number nine overall prospect. For MLB.com, he's pretty much a consensus top 10 overall prospect, one of the top pitching prospects overall uh, consensus across you know all the different rankings. Put up great numbers last year across uh, A, uh, advanced A, and double A, a 2.83 ERA and a 13.9 K per nine ratio. So I think you know the fancy impact here is that it really reduces the likelihood that Whitley will pitch in major leagues this year. I don't think the chances of that were really great to begin with from a longer term dynasty perspective. I don't know that this will ultimately have that much of an impact, but uh, nonetheless, not a great uh, development. Cameron Mabin talk about some speedsters here. Uh, Carlos Gomez, Malik Smith, Cameron Mabin also uh, making a splash signing a one year deal worth 3.25 million with the Marlins returning to the Marlins on that one year deal. Initially reported by the Sun Sentinel, that salary figure initially reported by John Heyman. And maybe I think would be considered the front runner or maybe just a front runner for the center field job. The only outfield position that's really pretty close to nailed down for the Marlins is Derek Dietrich being the left fielder. But you've got Cameron Maben now joining Lewis Brinson and Magnura Sierra as all potential starters in center field. Maven himself has been somebody who, over his career, has zigzagged back and forth between being an everyday player and being a fourth outfielder. I would think that he'll probably see more of that with the Marlins. Even if he's a starter to begin the year, they've got two really good center field prospects that could just plug right in there and, and move Maven, if not to right field, move him to the bench. So I wouldn't go overboard at this point, looking for Maben to be a big stolen base contributor. But that said, he did steal 33 bases last year. Uh, his batting average has been all over the place. Uh, in 2015, 267. 2016, 315. And then last year, all the way down to 228. I think you'll see him probably find the happy medium around 260 this year. And the stolen bases, I think, even in a part-time role, you, you got to figure Maben's going to steal at least 20. So uh, I did move him up. Now that we know that you know he's got at least a decent chance for regular play with the Marlins, so I moved him up 
to 96th in my rankings from 114. And again, being very conservative because I don't expect him to be an everyday type player uh, all year long. But uh, right before we had to break here, let me just uh, share with you real quick. In fact, I'm just going to tease it. <laughs> That's what I'll do. I have a Twitter poll. And I've got to tease the results of that. Uh, it was close. Cameron Mabin versus Eduardo Nunez. Who's going to get more steals? So hit that after the break. And we'll run down the catcher position. So stay tuned. Be right back. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. And uh, so let me get right to that Twitter poll. Because I don't like to break promises. And I said I would uh, get right to that after the break. So I asked the uh, Twitterverse, who do you think is going to get more steals this season? Cameron Mabin or Eduardo Nunez? And I wanted to put that out there because I feel like there's a, a similarity uh, in terms of the players, well, first of all, just in terms of the players and their, their stolen base potential, in terms of the, the situations they've been, and in terms of their history, because they've both been players that have spent some time being everyday players and some time being uh, bench players, utility, well, not really a utility player for Maven, but you get the idea, somebody who's uh, playing not quite regularly, but playing enough to make a uh, an impact with with stolen bases and now recently signing both of them with teams where they probably have a short-term window for playing regularly in Nunez's case it's filling in for uh, Dustin Pedroia and maybe it's case it's keeping the seat warm probably for Lewis Brinson uh, so I, I saw some similarities there and so I was curious what the people thought in terms of their stolen base potential and Mabin wins the poll, although not overwhelmingly. Uh, 55% of the respondents said they thought Mabin would get the most steals uh, between the two. Nunez getting the remaining 45% because those were the only options they gave you. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think that does speak to the fact that, um, you know, even with an unclear playing time situation, that the at least perceived value for Mabin is pretty good. Uh, but... Uh, I don't. I, I think I, I'm going to go Nunez. I just think there's there's more potential there um, for him once Pedroia is back for him to uh, you know play around the diamond and and get uh, maybe more more play. But then again, maybe the Marlins you know they work these young younger out, uh, outfielders in with you know sort of rotation. So I, I do think it's a close call. Kind of hard hard for me to decide. <laughs> so that's why I put it to a vote and. A little bit of confirmation bias, I guess, because it was a close vote. So that just confirms what I already thought, that 
they're going to be very similar in terms of the stolen base appeal. All right, well, uh, got a few more news items. I want to get to the uh, catcher position preview. But before that, uh, you just need to know there is no important marker on the fantasy baseball calendar than draft day. So there's no important move to make than to get the 2018 RotoExperts.com exclusive edge fantasy baseball package. Get in-depth advice, rankings and tips from the top ranker in all of fantasy sports. And of course, you know, that's Jake Seeley. Go inside the numbers with multiple-time FSWA award winner Tim McCullough. Fantasy Hall of Famer Scott the King Engel. He's been on the show. Hopefully have them on the show again soon. Uh, they all will bring you their award-winning uh, insider series from the MLB Beat. And 2017 Fantasy Baseball champs Mike Florio and Joe Galina add to all the insights. Plus, this year's edition features a new cheat sheet, cheat sheet generator and a Slack chat channel. That is cool. So enter the code FNTSY at checkout for a discount and make the ultimate move to win it all with the RotoExperts.com Exclusive Edge Fantasy Baseball Package. All right few more news items to get to. Uh, Cuban outfielder Julio Pablo Martinez has been cleared to sign with the Major League team. That will be effective March 6th, that report coming from Baseball America's Ben Badler. Uh, and the Rangers, apparently taking note of that development, traded uh, rookie league pitcher Miguel Medrano to the Reds in exchange getting some international bonus pool money. So they had already been... Uh, cited as one of the three top candidates to sign Martinez along with the Yankees and Marlins. So that probably gives the Rangers a little bit of an edge with uh, that additional cash that they just got. Colby Rasmus signed a minor league deal with the Orioles. They've been pretty busy lately. Uh, That according to MLB.com's Mark Feinsand. He will compete for the right field job or maybe be part of a platoon. Austin Hayes, the rookie, uh, be part of that as well. Uh, Rasmus missed much of the season last year. He had a very serious hip uh, issue and was placed on the restricted list by the Rays in July. Didn't play again after that. But uh, in the time he did play, hit uh, 281 with nine home runs for the Rays. And the Pirates picking up a couple more outfielders to add to their potential left fielder mix. This is becoming a a cast of many here. Uh, Bryce Brents. Uh, picked up from the Red Sox for cash. And Brent's had a, a nice uh, season at AAA Pawtucket last year, hitting 270 with 31 homers. And then they also went out, the Pirates signed Michael Saunders to a minor league deal. So you take those two, Brent's and Saunders, and add them to Daniel Nava, who uh, was signed not too long ago, Adam Frazier, Jordan Luplo, and Sean Rodriguez. So who knows who's going to play left field for the Pirates. Big uh, crew there competing in some interesting names to boot all right let's get to some catchers here this is uh i think a a very interesting position it's not very deep i think probably the shallowest position to draft from but just like i've I've talked about at other positions where there may be a player who's sort of on the edge of not quite being elite or maybe even second tier but yet viewed as a step above or a half step above the rank of in file to position catcher really fits that description. I think very well. And so those pivotal players that kind of bridged that chasm, a very big chasm between the elites and the non elites uh, that if you have confidence in those players, you're probably not that anxious to drop a whole lot of money or, or a very early pick on Gary Sanchez or, 
take take a, a chance drafting Wilson Contreras sure. or Buster Posey early. But um, you know, on the other hand, if you don't have a lot of confidence in those pivotal bridge type players, you've got a little extra incentive to go a little more aggressively at catcher. And I know for me, that's a difficult thing to do. I think for most owners, we all have this squeamish feeling about using, you know, let's say a second round pick, maybe even a third round pick to get a, a Gary Sanchez when you could be getting a first baseman, you could be getting an outfielder, you could be maybe have a chance to get one of those big four pitchers. It's a tough, tough conundrum. So let's break it down. There are five elite or near elite catchers, Sanchez, Contreras, Posey, and then JT Real Muto and Salvador Perez. They're clearly a cup below the top three. And really, it's a kind of a one-two-two configuration. Sanchez is the clear elite class of class all by himself. Contreras and Posey, in terms of ADP, in terms of most projections, they're smacked right together, second, third. You can even you know flip the order, Posey, Contreras, Contreras, Posey. I'll talk about that in a little bit. And then a little bit further down in the ADP, you got Real Muto and Perez. And they, too, have been roughly interchangeable in terms of projections and in terms of ADP. Uh, and then this is where I think it gets very interesting because the consensus in terms of the next player after the top five, which that would be the sixth player, is Evan Gaddis. And that's a very, very risky move to make. I think uh, it's, you know, the point where you'd be looking to take, take Gaddis. Um, you know, it's not quite the same as what you'd have to invest in, in say, Real Muto or, uh, or Perez. But um, let's see here. In terms of NFBC, ADP, Gaddis is at 147. And again, he's ranked sixth. In terms of Fantrax ADP, he is also sixth at 151, so or 152 actually. So it's not like we're talking about a super high pick, but it's still it's it's a point in the draft where you, you do have other needs to fill. And if you're getting a little antsy about, well, I really want to have a good catcher, you could maybe panic yourself into taking Evan Gaddis. I've got some real concerns. He's coming off of his worst power season as major leaguer and the, you know, not terrible power numbers, but, um, you know, and he missed time particularly late with a concussion, which is something that, that worries me the following season, also a wrist issue. So two very concerning health issues that, you know, there's no reason necessarily to think that those are carried over. But when you're talking about anything with the hand, or you're talking about anything with concussions, that's always a, at least a little bit of a red flag for me. And then you add on to the fact that just the performance, even before those issues arose for Gaddis last year, power production was down. And that's what you really want Gaddis for. He hit just 12 home runs in 84 games, a 193 ISO. I mean, it's not bad, but you can you can find plenty of catchers who are going to give you that sort of power with a so-so or maybe worse than so-so batting average. So why splurge to get Evan Gaddis? So you can tell where I'm coming at with this, that uh, I'm going to feel a little extra pressure to go after one of the big five, Sanchez, Contreras, Posey, Real Muto, Sal Perez. Because I'm just not believing it for Gaddis, or I shouldn't say not believing it, but I'm, I'm worried there's a lot of risk there. And let's throw in another risk. Are we sure he's going to play all that regularly between catcher and DH? Because, uh, you know, first of all, there were the rumors about the, or not even rumors, reports 
that the Astros were looking into trading for JT Real Muto. So if that actually does happen, there's a big problem for Evan Gaddis. And even if, if uh, Gaddis is still the number two catcher, it, can you really count on a lot of, of DH plate appearances for him? Derek Fisher is supposed to uh, play pretty regularly this year, according to Jeff Lunau. So may, what do we do with Marvin Gonzalez? I mean, he's, could, he could play all over the diamond, but you got to figure he's going to get some time at DH. So I'm just saying, there's a lot of reasons to be worried about Evan Gaddis. And if you don't get Evan Gaddis, then who, who can you get? Well, there are some fallback options, and I'll get to those. But as far as, let me back up again to the earlier tiers, Contreras versus Posey. So if you just can't pull the trigger on, on getting uh, uh, Gary Sanchez, um, you know, who, is it worth it to go for Contreras or Posey? I mean, they certainly are a significant step up from Real Muto and Perez. But which one do you like? Uh, you know, I think it all depends on what you project for Contreras because we know what we're going to get from Buster Posey. Now, according to Steamer projections, Posey will be the more valuable of the two, and it's not by a lot. But also, Steamer has Contreras projected for 19 home runs and 490 plate appearances. Maybe he doesn't get that many plate appearances. I suspect he will come close. But I think he's going to get a lot more than 19 home runs. I, I would expect Contreras to be more in the, the mid-20s. So I, I prefer Contreras. And yeah, it's taking a risk because, again, we know what to get from Buster Post. We know what to expect. Um, but it's again, it's real close between the two. So you got the big five. You've got the risk of Gaddis. You've got Yadier Molina, steady. You know what you're getting. What you see is what you get from Yadier Molina. But now you know we're moving into territory where your choices of catcher are either somebody that's uh, – you know, going to be pretty steady, but not spectacular. Or in most cases, players who present a little bit more upside, but a lot more risk than you'd have with Yadier Molina. Um, so I'm going to break down the rest of these, but just want to take a moment, uh, take a, a little uh, a break from talking about catchers to remind everybody that you can create the ultimate dynasty keeper or redraft fantasy league using Fantrax's free commissioner product. Find out how it feels to have the deepest player pool, multi-team trades, plus player salary and contract options right at your fingertips, all of which can be fully customized. And with Fantrax Treasurer, you set the league entry fees and you can safely distribute payouts without a third party, so you don't have to track down owners for payment. And the best part of all is that there's no break in the action. Once the season ends, Fantrax leagues are immediately open for the very next season. So find out why Fantrax is the home of fantasy sports and check out Fantrax.com today. And when you go, don't forget at the very bottom of the, the sign-up form, there's a space for promo code. Got a very short, simple, easy to remember promo code to put in that box. It's AL, A-L. So put the promo code AL in there. And what that does is that qualifies you for a chance to win 10 private consultations with me uh, that could be used anytime during the season or even before the season. Uh, that's something that uh, I have uh, for sale on almelker.com. It costs $109 there, but you uh, sign up with the promo code AL. You're in a drawing to get that 10 consultation package for absolutely no cost. So nothing to lose. Uh, you got consultations potentially to gain. So use that promo code AL when you sign up for your Fantrax League. All right, back to catchers. Um, so another sort of uh, critical player, uh, in addition to 
Evan Gaddis, sort of, a, in fact, I'd say a pivotal player because it really your your view of Gaddis will shape how much urgency you feel to go aggressive early a catcher. Mike Zanino is in the same spot. He's in the top eight uh, in ADP. Uh, he is uh, projected by many to live up to that ADP, but he did. There's there's one reason at least to be very concerned about about Mike Zanino, and that is the batting average, which you know wasn't spectacular last year, just two fifty one, but he had a three fifty five BABIP that just looks like overachievement and a signal for major regression this year. And of course, if he you know he strikes out a ton. So if he's not getting at uh, on base by way of the balls in play, I mean he is really a, a three true outcomes player, and um, you know I think that that batting average gets down below two twenty, and I think it really could. I just don't. I would not want to go after him as early as he's going, which uh, I think is within the top one fifty or so in, in ADP, and I'm going to double check that while I'm talking here one fifty nine in NFBC. So pretty close. But, uh, you know, my question is why go for Zanino when you could draft Wilson Ramos, who is ninth in NFBC ADP and only 14th in fan tracks. Uh, this is somebody who showed good, you know, really good power and good batting average a couple of years ago. Last year came back, was a little slow to come around, but eventually showed good power. Um, I, I would rather have Ramos than Zanino to tell you the truth. But uh, anyhow, so those, you know that's your your top nine or so at catcher, and then the pickings really get pretty risky. So um, when we come back for break, I'm going to run down some of those uh, fallback options because there are some interesting ones. It's a thin position, but you don't necessarily have to go super aggressive for the best players. There are some interesting fallbacks, so I will share those with you and your Twitter questions when we come back for break. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. We are going to get to the rest of my catcher position preview. We're going to get to your Twitter questions. There's some good ones. We're also going to talk a little bit about Fantasy Factor because it's the perfect daily fantasy site for the casual recreational player. Flatter prize pools, smaller fields, and single entry contests only. Fantasy Factor runs NHL and NBA free rolls every week with free entry. Just simply sign up and enter. That's all you got to do. It's www.fantasyfactor.com. So we've run through the top nine or so catchers. In fact, let's rattle them off to give you the exact number here. Gary Sanchez, Wilson Contreras, Buster Posey, JT Romuto, uh, Salvador Perez. Those are your top five. And then kind of on the, the cusp, you've got... Uh, some risky picks in terms of Evan Gaddis 
and Mike Zunino, you've got a very steady but uh, unspectacular Yadier Molina, at least unspectacular fantasy-wise. And then you've got, in my opinion, a very underrated Wilson Ramos. But that's that's basically your your choices among the top nine. There are arguments to be made for any of those catchers. But let's say you've prioritized other things. Very likely you will, because catcher is, <laughs> at least for me, maybe I'm projecting out of my audience here, but catcher is not top of mind for me usually uh, in the early and even in the mid-rounds. But let's say you on that top nine. You, you have some decent options. You've got Wellington Castillo. You can be pretty confident of the power you're going to get from him. Uh, you've got Jonathan Lucroy. You figure you've got a decent chance of at least a partial bounce back, and that would make him uh, a low-end number one catcher as long as he doesn't have an absolute repeat of last year. You figure Jonathan Lucroy, uh, wherever uh, he winds up, he's going to uh, you know, have some value for you. There's the whole Dodger situation with Austin Barnes. There's Monty Grandal. I think the, the playing time split there, Sinks both of their values, but I could see taking a flyer, particularly on Austin Barnes. Uh, as a, if you miss out on the, the good uh, number ones, maybe he's somebody who comes and steals a bunch of playing time from Grandal and uh, becomes a great value. You got uh, the very steady Brian McCann. But there's another name in terms of ADP that's right there with those other catchers I just mentioned as fallbacks, early, really early fallbacks for maybe even your number one spot. And that's Jorge Alfaro. I don't even have him in my top 30. And if you look at projections uh, based on or steamer projections and how that would translate into fancy value, Alfaro's not in their top 30 either. Uh, but if you've listened to the show for a while, a few weeks back, I did a, a, a segment called Am I Wrong to Think That? Things that I discovered in research that uh, really changed my mind about somebody and, and made me question, am I wrong to think this thing about this player, am I wrong to think that maybe the folks who are drafting Alfaro among the top four teams or so have this right? <laughs> because he did kind of back up the performance uh, last year that I think has a lot of people excited for, for this year. It was a, a you know, relatively small sample, just 114 plate appearances, but Alfaro hit five home runs, had, but he had a 420 BABIP. Guy does not have very good plate discipline or contact skills, but According to Xstats, his BABIP, his ex-BABIP was 344. So he did spray the ball around, did earn himself not a 420 BABIP, but a, definitely a, a well above average BABIP. And by the way, his expected home run total was six. So he may have actually slightly underachieved in terms of power. So I'm not sure I could trust that somebody is a totally different player based on 114 plate appearances than, than what they appear to be in the minor leagues. It's a very similar... Uh, conundrum that you have with Jesse Winker. Do you trust those September stats with Jesse Winker? Because he sure looked like a totally different player than he did in the minors. But, you know, with, with as thin as catcher is, maybe why not? Maybe take the flyer on Alfaro. I, I, I definitely need to move him up in my rankings. But there is a, a just a, 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 a caveat here. There are some fallbacks that I really like a lot. So you don't if you don't buy into Alfaro, if you think it's too risky... Uh, there are some other options there after the top uh, 14 or so are off the board. There's Chris Iannetta, who had a, a great uh, power season, a nice power season for the Diamondbacks last year. Now he's, he's going to catch for the Rockies and, and hit in Coors Field. Uh, there's Christian Vasquez, who's that rare catcher who can hit for average. There's Alex Avila, 
who had a very nice season last year, really sort of a comeback season, hitting for better power than he had in, in a long time. And I'll throw one more name out there, particularly for those in points or OBP formats. Somebody who's really overlooked, I think, and that's Tucker Barnhart. He's probably going to get a lot of play, a lot of plate appearances. He should uh, give you a much better batting average than the typical uh, catcher will. And it should give you a really nice on-base percentage. So if you're playing that format, he gets a little extra boost in your rankings, or at least he should. So I would just put those names out there that if you're not ready to take the leap on Alfaro and you missed out, miss out on the, the legitimate number one catchers or even some of the high-end number two catchers, think about Ionetta, Christian Vasquez, Tucker Barnhart, Alex Avila. All right. So I do need to get to your Twitter questions. I also uh, need to uh, just uh, share this uh, message from you, or message with you, rather, from DKMS. Every three minutes, an American is diagnosed with blood cancer. Unfortunately, only 30% of patients are able to find a comparable bone marrow donor within their family. But that's how you can help. Go to dkms.org slash FNTSY today and sign up online to register as a donor. DKMS will send you a swab kit, which takes legitimately just one minute to do. You swab each of your cheeks and send it back to them, and that is it. You're done. DKMS will then try and match you up with a person in need of a donation. So the process is easy, and best of all, you can actually save someone's life. This is not a metaphor. Literally, you could save somebody's life. Check out dkms.org slash FNTSY to see how you can help. Okay, on to the Twitter questions. And I apologize. I think I just called them email questions again. Uh, i got to get up to date here. <laughs> I'm the one who goes on Twitter and solicits these questions, and then I go and call email questions. So here are the Twitter questions that I have. This one from uh, at Jay Lageza. And uh, he says, great job, Al. Al around. I just spoiled his joke by not saying it right. Great job, Al around. See what I did there. I see what you did there. Uh, I'm wondering what to expect from Reese Hoskins. Most everyone's expecting regression in countable stats. More important to me is if you think he can maintain the near 400 on base percentage and very encouraging uh, 1.2 to 1 strikeout to walk ratio. I'm so glad uh, that this question is being asked here because I haven't really addressed it. And this is the thing that you read and hear over and over again about Hoskins is that it's just incredibly risky to be going after him, uh, you know, where, where his ADP stands. Uh, so I'm going to take, take a look here, uh, both in terms of NFBC and, um, and uh, fan tracks among first basemen. And I, I think in most, if not all formats, Hoskins is, is both first base and outfield eligible, but first base he's fifth in, NFBC ADP. He's being drafted 50th on average. Now, granted, he's well after the the big four, uh, first base, Votto, Rizzo, Goldschmidt, and Freeman. As well, he should. But, uh, and, and by the way, I apologize. I need to sort. <laughs> I was not giving you the correct... Uh, the the correct because I was like big four isn't there a fifth and I realized that my sort was wrong so I left out Cody Bellinger, uh, but then he is he's after Bellinger and he's after Abreu so my apologies for uh, that error but still he's seventh in a very very robust field of first baseman he's being drafted ahead of Edwin Encarnacion he's being drafted 
pretty well ahead of Will Myers and, and Eric Hosmer, the new Padre. Um, I, I, you know, I, I don't know about Encarnacion. I think that's that's a tough one. I probably would go Encarnacion over Hoskins, but I will say I think that he's got it. I don't think he's going to have a 400 on base percentage, but I think 375, 380 is definitely achievable. I mean, the the really good plate discipline is not a fluky thing for Reese Hoskins. I mean, that's that's something uh, that you know he's shown throughout the minor leagues, double digit walk rates, not uh, very high strikeout rates. And, you know, he could even improve probably not in the, the walk rate. Cause he walked at a 17.5%, but he could potentially strike out less this year. Uh, I think we'll see some regression in terms of the power. In fact, in terms of the regression regression, we're likely to see from Hoskins. That's where I expect it. But again, there's no reason to think that he's going to be a total fluke power wise because both in 2016 and 2017, he put up really impressive power numbers in the minor leagues. I don't think it's a fluke. And then he gets a fantastic home park to play. And that's going to help those numbers. So, uh, and by the way, he's being drafted even a little bit earlier in, um, in fan tracks leagues as of now. And he's even being drafted slightly ahead of Jose Abreu. So, there seems to be, uh, you know, pretty much a, a, an equivalence there in the mind of owners between Hoskins and Abreu, and I would, I would go Hoskins. I, I believe enough in the power, even with regression. I, I totally believe in the plate discipline and the high OBP, and I'm certainly going to give him a boost in OBP leagues. So I, I hope that that uh, helps answer the question. I certainly believe in in the rate stats. Uh, you you asked the question about expected regression and countable stats, and yeah, I mean he's not going to maintain this pace that he had last year, but even with decent regression, he's still going to be, in my opinion, one of the top first basemen. All right, we've got a question here from at CWS uh, or at CW Sox fan, and uh, a, a frequent uh, Twitter questioner on the show, and uh, he writes, "My favorite sleeper, and nobody." That's really capitalized in the tweet, so I didn't just yell in your ear for no reason. Nobody has him on their radar. He's free. Matt Davidson, he will lead the White Sox in home runs. How is Todd Frazier any better? Well, I will tell you how Todd Frazier is better, much, much better plate discipline. And I think much more, in fact, I will, I am certain that Frazier will have much more reliable playing time. So, yes, both are batting average liabilities, but uh, Frazier does not, is not likely to strike out anywhere as much as Davidson's going to. He's going to walk a whole lot more. And the power, I think just be, if nothing else, because of playing time, I think Frazier will, will homer more. And I understand we're, you know, not comparing guys on the same team anymore, but uh, since, uh, you know, that's the comparison that was, was put forward, I'm, I'm going to follow through with it. So Davidson does have the, the potential to lead the White Sox and homers. I personally uh, would, would, Put uh, put a bet on Jose Abreu again, if for no other reason, because of the steadiness of playing time. But yeah, I, I, I you know I'm not that big on Matt Davidson. Look, if you needed a power source late, especially in a deepish kind of league, he's a, he's a great choice. The the power is indisputable. But uh, I, I think that the batting average is enough of a potential liability in in the real world. Actually, that that could maybe hold them back from playing time. 
And uh, I've got one more question here from at real Ryan McGarry, also a frequent uh, Twitter questioner on the show. Uh, and uh, Ryan hopes that uh, Jay and I are doing well. Jay is my horse. Uh, can you discuss, and I think he's asking me and not Jay, can you discuss three guys I find very similar and how you value them in a Roto League? Lewis Brinson, who I talked about a little bit earlier on the show, Delano DeShields, and Manuel Margot. Now, you might recall that Margot was actually on my bust list that I ran down over the last couple of weeks. He was pretty early on. I don't think he's one of the more extreme busts, but I do think that people are overvaluing him a little bit. But let, let, I don't want to get... I don't want to derail myself in that conversation because in terms of comparing and contrasting the three, I actually see them as being pretty different because DeShields is pure steals. Uh, I don't expect a lot of power there from Delino DeShields. And Brinson, he's got this, the, the power-speed combo, but he didn't really steal a lot of bases in the minors. So of the three, I actually see Brinson as somebody I would target a little bit more for power than for speed. And then Margot's really the best blend of power and speed, and yet I don't think he has, in fact, I, I'm quite certain that he doesn't have the power of Lewis Brinson, and he doesn't have the stolen base potential of, uh, or the pure speed of, of Delino DeShields. So Margot's kind of your, your happy medium there, but I don't think that he's going to be a, a big power guy. I, I think he'll maybe at best be in the lower teens for home runs, but I also don't think that he's going to be a stolen base elite, which DeShields very well could be. So I, w- I would favor DeShields out of this group because he's going to have pretty much as steady a playing time situation as anybody out of the three. And there's a very good chance that he is really going to shine in, the, in that one category. Uh, Brinson... I think if I could be more certain of the playing time and if things developed the spring where it looked like he was going to have a starting role right out of the gate, I would like him a little better, but I'm not sure about his role. And frankly, I'm not sure because of the, the really the poor debut that he had with the Brewers, I'm not sure how well his stats are going to translate right away at the major league level, especially if he's playing every day. It might take him a while. So even though I like the overall skill set of Brinson, by far the best of the three, for fantasy purposes in terms of, of draft ranking, I like him the least. There's the most risk there. So I would go DeShields, Margot, Brinson. And of the three, DeShields is, is really the one I feel the best about, like by, by quite a lot. So uh, I hope, Ryan, that that is uh, a helpful response. Uh, and I appreciate uh, the, the, the questions. Uh, and so uh, I'll do my best to continue to take your questions as we get closer and closer to your draft dates. And that said also, so t- the, today is just the beginning of position previews. So uh, on tomorrow's show, which, as you know, is a Nando Thursday, we'll move on to first base. We could talk more about Reese Hoskins and a whole bunch of other really good hitters. And Scott White our old colleague from CBS Sports is uh, going to be on with us. So it'll be another uh, sort of semi-reunion tomorrow. So you definitely do want to uh, check in on the show, get the first base preview, uh, get the wisdom from Scott White, and uh, the, the wisdom, uh, of course, of Nando DeFino. So all that coming up tomorrow right here on Fantasy Sports Radio, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. That is it for me today. So thank you so much for tuning in. 
and have a great day. And uh, enjoy the Diamondbacks uh, spring training game if you can catch that.